We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is being brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto. Online at carx.com. Ray, let's talk some White Sox with Stoney. Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Color analyst for the White Sox, Steve Stone, joins Lawrence Holmes. Try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way. Steve Stone is a Cy Young Award winner. He is a fantastic color analyst for your Chicago White Sox, and he is a score baseball expert. As Steve was saying, try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way. Steve actually poked his bare hand in the booth and has cut himself open. Steve Stone talks with Lawrence Holmes. I'm about to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of blood. Social media got Steve Stone and Lawrence Holmes right now on The Score. That's right. And Stoney joins me on the Circa Casino and Resort Hotline. The best sports book in the world. They've got the largest thing. you got the pool out there. It's awesome. You can have a really good time. If you're going to Las Vegas, you want to be at the Circa Casino and Resort Sportsbook. Stoney, thanks for joining me. I know there was a quick turnaround for everyone to go from the night game to the day game this afternoon. So I'm glad that you had time to join us and talk a little White Sox baseball with me. Well, Lawrence, they changed the game because I think they realized that uh... – if it was a 6 o'clock game, it was probably going to be around, oh, I don't know, 34, 33 degrees. So they figured it's not going to be great at uh, at 1 o'clock, 110, but it's going to be about, oh, I don't know, 37, 38. So they felt that you get the game in then, you don't risk uh, having any rain or snow to go with those frigid temperatures. But uh, not the ideal weather to play baseball, especially when you're on an eight-game losing streak. No doubt about that, so I'm guessing that the window will be closed because I found out last night that there's a new rule in place for you. 43 degrees is now the cutoff, correct? Well, Jason likes the window open because uh, when you have the window closed, when you're a play-by-play guy, your voice bounces back to you, and play-by-play guys generally have great voices. They want to hear those melodious tones, and so uh, anything that interferes with that, by definition, is not particularly good. So uh, we'll be freezing in the booth. That's kind of the way this goes. And uh, hopefully I can uh, put on enough layers to be able to get through this one. And hopefully, even more important than that, uh, Dylan Cease has to uh, whip up a gem today because the way this offense is producing, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to they're going to score eight or ten runs. But you never know. I mean, Granke is uh, is a terrific pitcher. 
but uh, maybe they'll wait back on some of the slow stuff and catch up to it. Let's talk about the offense. Inside the the last six games, the team has averaged two runs uh, a game in the last six. What's wrong with the offense from your point of view? They're just not hitting the ball out of the ballpark consistently. That's a big factor. Uh, Also, the guys who are uh, paid to get the job done are just not getting the job done. You know, I I think everybody views uh, only hitters as going into slumps. They don't realize that pitchers go into slumps. And even more than that, uh, defenders go into slumps. There are fielding slumps, and apparently that's what the Sox are in. So it's compounded when you're not scoring a lot of runs. Then every mistake you make is uh, compounded and certainly illuminated. And that's what happened. It seems like every time the Sox make a mistake, the opposition jumps on it, and uh, you wind up down in the game. And because there is no offense to speak of, they're not able to come back. So, you know, just as as easily as it comes, it goes away, and, and the Sox are waiting for that. But I think it all starts with Dylan Cease having a good ball game today because uh, we talked about it last night. There are closers, we know that that's Liam Hendricks, and there are stoppers. And stoppers are your starting pitchers who whip up a gem when the team really needs it, and I would say the Sox right now really need this one. Is there any commonality to how pitchers are getting Sox hitters out? I don't think so. I think that they're not doing anything different than they've done. You know, everybody has a vast library a video on every one of these hitters. And conversely, all the hitters have a vast video on all these pitchers. So you know the tendencies. You know where they like to go. You know where the, where the hot spots are and the soft spots are. And when you're making your pitches, you get hitters out. When you're not making your pitches, you don't. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's going through a period where he's just he's not making the pitches he has to make. There was five walks last night. Uh, once again, he was victimized by a defense that wasn't great. But you can't walk five guys if you're not going to strike out a whole lot of people, and Dallas is not going to strike out a whole lot of people now, compounded by getting shut out. You know, I kind of have to laugh because, uh, I, uh, as you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I'm taking a look at the reactions of some of the fans, and some of the reactions are truly almost laughable. Like, these guys are giving up. They don't look lively. They look like they're quitting. I haven't seen a ball club get shut out that looks really lively. If you don't get a lot of hits where you can run the bases, uh, you're not going to look all that lively. And the people who are saying that are people who don't understand the game of baseball or the professional athlete. These guys got here to the highest level because they're wonderfully competitive. These guys have beaten the opposition at every level to get to the highest level, which is the major leagues. They're not quitting. They're trying as hard as they possibly can. And sometimes, like in every facet of life, as hard as you try, you can't get it done. And for a short period of time, for eight games here, they're just not getting it done. Just as quickly as it came, it can turn around, and hopefully it does that. But it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of hustle. It's not for lack of desire. These guys have all of that. They're just not playing real well right now. It's as simple as that. That really is the explanation to every facet of the White Sox game at this point. They're just not doing it real well. Stoney, take me into the mind of the athlete and the pitcher in particular. With Dallas, the last couple of starts that he's had, there have been defensive issues. How do you think that affects him? And what were the things that you did as a pitcher to safeguard yourself when the defense wasn't particularly good behind you? 
Well, you have to keep telling yourself to just make your pitches because that's the only thing you have control over. And for Dallas, he's not going to strike out a lot of guys. So Dallas, probably more than any other starter on this team, certainly, he has to have defense behind him because there's going to be a lot of balls in play. Specifically, with his changeup and with his sinker, he's going to let a, gr- a lot of gr- he's going to get a lot of ground balls. They have to be fielded. When you have a chance to turn a double play, you have to turn it. When you have a chance to get an out as the first out of the inning, you have to get the out. And when it's not happening and you're not striking out a whole lot of guys, then you fall into a rut. So I think when you take a look at Kansas City, take a look at that ball club. Is it a great ball club? No, it's not. But it's an improved ball club, and Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be, he's going to be a terrific player. But you take a look at the defense all the way around, and they've got some gold gloves. Uh, Salvi Perez behind the plate's a gold glover. Benintendi's a gold glover. They have guys who can go get it. Mondesi is a terrific shortstop. But they've made three errors this year. Kansas City catches the baseball. And as we've seen, the Sox have not been catching the baseball. They've They've committed 20 errors. They've played 16 games. Uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a mystery as to you know why they've come on a short end of a lot of these because when they have double plays they need to turn they haven't when they have baseballs they need to catch they haven't uh, I assume that's going to go away I'd like to think that it it will and when it does the team will look a whole lot better. You brought up earlier this week that with the shortened spring training, it doesn't give as much time to get stuff like defense together. I'm curious, what can happen inside of a season to make a defense better? I think you just have to go out there and do the same things that you always do and just bear down and concentrate on a given play. In other words, if you're an infielder, you have to visualize the ball coming to you in a certain place. If it comes to you, that's fine. You're prepared for it. If it doesn't, well, then you do the same thing the next play. You can't afford to have your mind wander at all. I think it's just a question of seeing the play, anticipating the play, being ready for the play to come to you, and that's how you prepare every pitch. The pitcher has to prepare every pitch. We talk about breaking the hole down to its simplest parts, and that's one pitch at a time. So a pitcher has to concentrate. His whole being, his whole universe is on that one pitch. All of his concentration, all of his intensity, all of his visualization comes on one pitch. And the same thing with defenders. If you're playing left field, you have to visualize that ball coming to you. The ball is going to slice or hook to the line. If it's a right-hand hitter, the ball hooks to the line. If it's a left-hand hitter, the ball slices to the line. But the ball will come out to you in left field and move toward the line. You have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared every pitch to have the ball hit to you. If you prepare mentally before the fact, you won't be surprised when the ball does come to you. And you have to just continue to bear down on a daily basis. These guys are better than they've played or they wouldn't be here. So now they have to show the opposition that uh, that they're better than they're than they've been playing. And one of the keys to this is going to be score some runs on a given day. I mean, if you're always one to nothing, two to nothing, two to one, then everything, every pitch is the World Series. Every play is the be all and end all. And so this is really nothing that maybe five, six, seven runs couldn't cure. They have to just go and put them on the board in, in a given day. And that's, that's what it's going to take, I think, to get out of this. A well-pitched game and a lot of offense 
and then start thinking about the team is better than it's shown because it, it's shown that it uh, it's not playing very well. But I view this as just a slump, and I think they'll get out of it. Last night's game was particularly hard to consume because you had the White Sox offense not working and you had the pitching staff walk the yard. I I don't know if I'm always trying to figure out like is there anything that can be done about that but we're talking about a bunch of different pitchers it wasn't just Dallas who was walking people yesterday but when you see a team that other than Michael Taylor was patient enough to take its walks what does that tell you about what the pitching approach should be going forward in the series well Lawrence these guys aren't trying to walk people these guys are trying to get people out but sometimes the best you can do is not good enough, and that's exactly what's happening. But you're, when you're looking at what's happening to the White Sox, you're looking at a typical anatomy of a team-wide slump. When you're getting decent pitching, you're not getting hitting. When you're getting some hitting, you're not getting pitching. When you're getting pitching and hitting, you're not getting defense. When you're getting a good aspect of the game, your base running betrays you. And this has been a team-wide slump. But the people who believe this isn't a good team because they're going through a situation here where uh, things are really tough, I think they're short-selling these guys. I mean, again, we talk about this, but the people don't seem to be able to accept the fact that Harrison just came back. So to expect him to have big offensive night after missing a few days is unrealistic. Hopefully things get better for him. Pollock has not had a hit since he's come back off the IL. You have Eloy out now for six to eight weeks. Robert might come back today. No Moncada, which doesn't uh, doesn't give you that left-handed bat as a switch hitter that you really need against right-handed starters. And understand something about our division. Our division, except for Detroit, has all right-handed starters. I'm not sure there's too many left-handed starters in any rotation, which means it would be helpful if you had a little more left-handed hitting in your lineup. But this is a right-hand hitting White Sox lineup. So guys with very good sliders and curveballs, right-handed starters, of which the Central has a plethora of, you're not going to have that big an advantage over them. But it doesn't help to have Moncada out of the lineup. And so that's what they have to play through. This is an inordinate amount of early season injuries. A lot of your team is down. Luke is coming back is a good thing. We obviously miss Crochet because he is a he's a star left-hander out of that bullpen. We're not going to have him for the remainder of this year. But injuries have really taken its toll, and they're starting to pile up. And then all of a sudden you go on the road, you see Harrison go down against Cleveland, you see Aloy go down for an extended period of time. You see Robert go down, but he's going to come back here maybe today. So these injuries have really hurt the ball club. And, you know, if you look at the starting lineup, this was not even close to the starting lineup that Rick Hahn envisioned when the season started. That being said, the guys who are currently in this lineup and on the bench are going to have to get out of this because nobody's going to help you. In the White Sox lineup today, it's Anderson, Vaughn, Sheets, Abreu, Grandal, Berger, Reese McGuire, Adam Engel, and Danny Mendick. I love Andrew Vaughn batting second. And because he's been one of your more consistent hitters, I feel like that's a really good place for him. I know that you're high on on Andrew Vaughn. Like you think that, that he's got a lot of talent. 
What are the things that you see that that give you that confidence that he can take that next step in his development? I see very few times does he get out in front of pitches. Very few times do you see him move his hands before the ball gets there. So the balance is outstanding. And when a guy has that kind of balance, he's going to be able to hit. Andrew can drive the ball to right and right center field. He can pull the ball. Just a question of him getting consistent at bats. This is not, as we know, this is not the best hitting weather in the world. And hitters don't really like to hit in this weather because you get jammed with an inside pitch. You're going to feel that for a couple of at-bats later. I always enjoyed cold weather because hitters hated it. So for me, I thought it was a big advantage, and I was born and raised in Cleveland where we played a lot of games in the cold weather in the early spring. This particular spring is dragging on a bit longer than we would like. Baseball Mm -hmm. wasn't made to be played in 34-degree weather, but that's what we have here in Chicago. Uh, We had that in Cleveland. We had that in Minneapolis. So that's just the way the early season shakes out. You're not going to be able to do anything about it, so you have to live with it. And I remember Roger Craig years ago telling his San Francisco Giants when they played in Candlestick Park, he goes, guys, the opposition hates to play here. Let's make it a plus for us. So it's just a question of taking the elements out of the equation and bearing down on each and every pitch. But Andrew Vaughn is going to be a star hitter. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, When you draft a guy with the third pick in the first round, you have a feeling that he's going to be a really good player. He also won the Golden Spikes Award, which is the best college player in the country in any given year. That was Andrew Vaughn. So you know he's a smart guy. He was out of Cal Berkeley. They don't give degrees away there. They don't let you in if you're not if you're not a pretty smart person. And so you couple that with tremendous hands, great balance, and I don't think he can do anything but hit. But I'd like to see some consistent weather for these guys to hit. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's a really strange quirk in the White Sox schedule that they don't go west of Minnesota until the middle of May and they don't go south and it's very strange like they're they're going to play 6 7 weeks in cold weather and I mean that that's no one's fault it's just a really strange phenomenon and quirk inside of their schedule. Well, unfortunately, you know, you have to play what you have and and that's exactly what the Sox have this year. So Couple that with inordinately cold weather, and it becomes a situation that's very difficult for hitters. But our pitchers have to take advantage of that. I'm looking for a good outing today from Dylan Cease. He's been throwing it real well. Last time out, he didn't have his best stuff. When that happens, he usually follows it up with a pretty good ball game. And so we'll just have to see how he fares today. But I'm thinking that uh, he's going to go out against Granke and against these Kansas City Royals and do a pretty nice job. And Hopefully the Sox can get over this uh, malaise. You know, when they were 6-2, and two, uh, there's a lot of folks that looked at that, as I looked at that, they won every series, and uh, people didn't say that Tony was by it. Let's get rid of Tony when they were 6-2. and two. Now you lose eight games in a row and everybody's saying, we have to make a change. We have to change the front office. We have to change the dugout. We have to change all the coaches. I mean, it's an overreaction to a very short period of time, a time that has spanned 16 games. So hopefully this team can turn it around. You don't change anybody. You stay the course. And these guys that won 93 games last year, it's largely the same guys, except it's a better bullpen this year than it was last year. we got to get Joe Kelly back. That'll be a big factor in the pen. And, you know, 
slowly but surely, the guys who have been injured will come back. I would love to see a full complement of players. We're just not going to see that for a while. Is there a point where even you might be worried about what's going on with the team? Well, it's a long way from now, I will tell you that. I still look, it's two and a half games out of first place. Minnesota is in first place. You know, when when we started the Minnesota series, uh, they were in last place. And they won five games in a row, and they're in first place. So, you know, at 9-8, and eight, not running away from the division, this division I don't think has a team capable of running away, except if, if our boys get things together, I think they are capable with the talent on this team of, of running away with it. But when you look at the lineup and you realize, just in your own mind, realize what the lineup was supposed to look like and realize what it looks like now, and it's just not the same lineup. So the guys that are coming off the bench, guys that should have been role players, now are playing every day, these are the guys that have to do it. I really like the way Berger is hitting the baseball. I mean, he almost hit one out of the ballpark, but for the wind blowing in and the temperatures last night and had two other hits. So Jake is swinging it pretty well. And hopefully that will be a springboard for the rest of these guys to start swinging the bat. Uh, One of the things that they've adopted this year, Lawrence, is they're a much more aggressive team, which means they're swinging early in the count pretty much all the time. I don't mind swinging early in the count, but don't swing early at the count at a pitcher's pitch because – he knows that you're anxious. He knows that you're geared up for the first pitch. He's not going to give you something good to hit. And so when that happens, number one, you don't work him. You don't walk as much as you should. If you don't walk, then you've got to get three hits usually to score a run. Usually every big rally has a couple of walks in it. If you're not getting those walks, then you have to really start to hit. I'd like to see a couple of guys be a little more patient, but – you know, that hasn't been the offense this year. Stoney, stay warm today. Hopefully we're, we're talking about some White Sox wins the next time we get a chance to chat. You got Cease and Kopech going in back-to-back games, and uh, right now, uh, along with Lucas, that's, that's a pretty good twosome. They've got great stuff, and hopefully what they can do is control the runners for Kansas City. If you don't allow the runners to get on base, you're usually in pretty good shape against them because right now it's pretty difficult to get the ball out of the ballpark with these temperatures. There's no doubt about that. Stoney, as always, I appreciate the conversation. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Lawrence. Take care. That is the score senior baseball analyst, Steve Stone. We are going to continue the White Sox chat. We'll let you hear from Rick Hahn. We will do that next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's time for the White Sox Minute. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. We're going to be South Side regardless. South Slider. Hi, Mom! Go Sox, baby. The White Sox Minute on the Lawrence Holmes Show. It's good to see 35th and Shields once again as the Sox welcome in the Kansas City Royals for the first time. On the ground toward third, Berger... Jake can't hang on to it. Salvador Perez scores. Hughes shot toward first. Abreu collects it and gets the out at first base. Santana scores. Popped up. Short left field. And this is going to drop in front of Andrew Vaughn. He's got to play at third. And out the call. Berger does claim it at third base. Andrew had to charge. It fell in front of him. Olivares scores. Lopez is out at third. 2-2. Santana to right field. This will fall. And Kansas City's going to get at least two runs here. Salvador Perez to third. Santana's got a two-run hit. And it's 6-0 Kansas City. It's a rough time for the Sox right now. This is going to be loss number eight in a row. Kansas City finishes the deal here. 6-0 your final score. Yes, the highlights are courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. By the way... I don't know who who's directing the games, but I really like that shot that they're doing at the beginning of innings where they pan down. It's behind home plate and then they pan down. It's a really good view. Whoever came up with that idea is, is smart. It shows the ballpark in the best possible light. The team is a totally different discussion. They had another ugly game and I... I apologize. I I looked at the numbers. I went by the numbers yesterday, and the numbers said that they should have been able to get hits, and they really weren't able to get hits. They muscled up five of them. The Jose Abreu at bat, where he took, I think, 12 pitches, was the best at bat of the night. There was a lot of early hunting in counts, and one of the things that Steve Stone said in, in, in our last segment was, sure, you can try and ambush a pitcher, but make sure that you're not swinging at a pitcher's pitch. And the White Sox are doing that. On top of that, another game where they didn't defend very well. Two errors for them. They keep having games where they don't pick up the ball well. And even on the play where Jake Berger didn't get an error, it wasn't a good play. So you've got the combination of them not hitting, walking 11 Royals, not... and. and and then not being able to pick up the ball, you're going to lose. You're going to lose games. And it has been a bad two weeks for the White Sox. These last eight games that they've lost in a row. And sure, they play in about 45 minutes over on the south side, but it's been super ugly for them. Yesterday, Rick Hahn spoke before the game. The whole thing is 18 minutes. I'm not going to play that, but there are two 
pieces of his conversation with the media that I think you, the White Sox fan, should hear and we shall discuss. First up, this was Rick giving an update on a very long injury list. Aloy has been uh, re-examined or further examined. The timeline remains six to eight weeks until his return to the active roster. Uh, obviously, that can adjust as we go through his recovery and rehabilitation. Uh, upon further examination, it was determined that the hamstring strain did involve one of the tendons that connect the hamstring to the back of the knee. Uh, as a result, he had a procedure to repair that tendon this morning. Uh, if that sounds familiar to you all, it's because you've been listening over the last year, and that is the same exact procedure that Yasmani had last season and Lance Lynn underwent earlier this year. So uh, on the positive side of things, we obviously have some track record here and feel pretty confident in that six to eight week uh, return time frame being the, uh, the outer, bar, outer bounds, depending on uh, any potential setbacks. Uh, Moncada is continues to progress those of you who are on the trip saw him on the field doing more activities that will continue over the next few days uh, with the hope that he will uh, be able to start a rehabilitation assignment perhaps this weekend with charlotte uh, joe kelly has made a couple of outings in arizona uh, which have gone well at the extended level he's going to make uh, at least one more down there in arizona and then he too uh, could potentially join Charlotte this weekend for a rehabilitation assignment as well. And with that, unless there are other injuries that you guys want updates on, uh, I think those are the most uh, ripe ones right now. We see Luis Robert not in the line. Oh, uh, he's, I expect he'll be in there tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Tony will explain the rationale. He's, he's uh, basically, I believe, checked just about every box, and if he hasn't, he would by game time today. Uh, the daytime, or excuse me, the day game tomorrow, following the night game tonight, probably limits his usage over that 20-hour period. So I think Tony's choosing tomorrow over tonight, but Tony can explain. Uh, anyone else I'm missing? Lance. Lance? Uh, he's, again, just progressing. Just progressing. We, we remain on that time frame we had before, but everything's been positive so far with him. I asked uh, Tony this on Saturday, or no, Sunday, I guess it was. Uh, is it just bad luck the way that you've had these injuries over at first base you know they're running guys out and uh, that kind of thing guys running it out i should say at the very least there's been so many that it forces you to look at what you're doing internally what the players are doing how you're adjusting for where they're at physically uh certainly there's an element of bad luck uh there's an element of the uh let's say unique off season and shortened spring and ramp up schedule that we all, all 30 teams are dealing with. Obviously we want to do everything in our power to safeguard against them happening again and we'll continue to adjust our programs uh, and look for ways to get better. But it's unfair to put this on an individual player or member of the training staff. We forgot uh, Liam, is he all right? Uh, uh, Liam uh, had a bit of a back spasm issue going uh, in Minnesota. Uh, he, too, is day-to-day -day and expected to be available soon. If, if not tonight, then soon. Okay, so a couple of updates. You heard in there Rick saying, oh, yeah, you know, well, Robert should be back tomorrow in the lineup. He is not in today's lineup. Just so you know. So hopefully he is available if they need him later on. But 
and hopefully he's in tomorrow's lineup. But as it stands right now, the DH is Yasmani Grandal, and the center fielder is Adam Engel. That's the way that the, the lineup shapes up, and no Robert is in it. It was interesting that Rick talked about the guys running to first base and that they're going to take a look at, at that. And I, I don't know what you can do other than to try and teach them more sprinter technique. Like it's hard. Like I I I don't envy the White Sox trying to now teach guys about what I, and Stoney's been one of the, the biggest proponents of this of trying to go through the bag the proper way. It is all of our instincts to try and lunge. We've all done it. Every single person within the sound of my voice has done it. Where you think you're going to get there faster with a lunge. And you're probably going to get there faster with just your regular stride. And it makes it less likely for you to get hurt. But that's something that you have to teach for a while. It's not the only thing that Rick Hahn said. And, and I want a little bit more time to play around with this particular soundbite. Because I do think that it's interesting. You, you have heard us talk about the lineup card and the front office and and the dugout and if those are connected so this is what we're going to do we're going to take a timeout because I, I i'm up against the break and i want to be able to listen to this and talk to you honestly with without as much of a time constraint about what is said by rick Hahn here and what it means i'll let you hear what he has to say about the connection between the front office and the dugout next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. The score. And 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. You know, the heart and the guts are intact. That's why it's not fun. Tough to take. I'm sure the fans are not happy. But neither is the club. But everything else about the way we're going about it is the caring and the pressing. Let me tell you something. If you have a time like this and you have to get after guys to get started or they're walking around smiling and not working, then that's and you get the wrong people. That's not you got we got the right people. We'll be all right. That was Tony LaRusa. And here's the thing, whether it's Stoney or LaRusa or Rick. No one here is is questioning the guy's desire to want to win. We're questioning the way all of this stuff is working and whether or not it works and fits together. Right now, the White Sox are 6-10. and 10. They are in fourth place in the American League Central, two and a half games out of first place. And right now, behind the team that they're going to play this afternoon, the Kansas City Royals. Joe Ostrowski, our friend who we talked with on Thursdays on the show, just tweeted out this. Mully and Haw were talking about the idea of the Chicago parlay, Bulls, Sox, Cubs, Hawks on the money line. It pays 75 to 1 if you were to pick all of the teams to win tonight. The reverse of it, if you go Bucks, Royals, Braves, Knights, only pays 5 to 1 you might want to consider it just saying so you heard from tlr about where his team is at and it's been a rough week and a half for him too whether we're talking about what happened with the doubleheader and his lineup choices and having leori garcia bat third and then bat second or the way that sunday was managed 
and you end up having to pitch to Byron Buxton, it's been a rough week for him. Rick Hahn was asked about Tony LaRussa and some of the decisions, and, and I think what's important for you to listen to here, I'll try not to sway the jury too much. It's important for you to understand the way that Rick sees his relationship as the front office guy with the dugout. Take a listen. Are there points at all when you get involved in, in any discussions with the manager about strategy, about lineups, or do you just leave all of that? No, we talk almost every day. Yeah. We talk every day about the issues affecting the team, ranging from player availability and health to usage. I mean, that's a normal part of the job. Ultimately, uh, the manager has the lineup card, and he's the one who will answer any questions you have about how he's using the players and when and why. But the, the front office absolutely has conversations with them. And, and again, we're trying to provide him with the best information and the staff with the best information to make the best decisions. Obviously, from time to time, there's stuff that the, the those outside the clubhouse aren't aware of in terms of a player's health or availability or any issues that they may be dealing with that affects what he's able to do. Um, but in the end, you know, it's, it's a matter of giving him everything he needs to make the best decisions. A lot of conversation about the end of that last game. Is it? Do you view that as a 50-50 call, and there's no good answer there? Most of, a lot of the time, when you're Which faced one? with a walking Buxton or not walking Buxton. And, you know, I got opinions on that, and you know, those are for uh, those involved in decision making. We have those conversations internally and talk things through as a group, and again, ultimately, hopefully, give uh, Tony and the coaching staff the best information to, to make the right decisions. Notice that he didn't offer his opinion on them pitching to Byron Buxton in that situation. He just lets you know that he did have an opinion on it and that the front office's job is to, quote, provide him and the staff with the best information to make the best decision. That sounded like, hey, we give him everything he needs. The choice is up to him. It's not that weird to have a manager, or at least it didn't used to be that weird, to have a manager have complete control over the lineup, especially when you're talking about someone with the resume of Tony La Russa. There are other managers now in the business that work hand-in-hand in hand in, with the front office, and usually the manager kind of could break the tie, but... They work with the front office to say, all right, th this is what I'm thinking. This is who I'm going, going to play. Do you have a problem with it? I imagine that Rick also has some ideas and opinions on Leori Garcia batting near the top of the lineup. He also didn't share those. But when you are talking about, I thought that that was a really important piece of sound. And it's one of those things where the GM can't quite, he can't bust toss the manager, but he does have to say, look, this is how we roll. We give him the information and then he gets to do whatever he wants with the information. So I'm glad that you got a chance to hear it. When I heard it yesterday, my ears perked up and I wanted to bring it to your attention. That's not the only thing that should be brought to your attention. We are very lucky to have Ozzie Guillen as one of our analysts here on The Score. 
and he was on with Mully and Haw today. And there's a couple things that he said that I think are valuable for you to put into the mix when thinking about or talking about the White Sox. One of them is Ozzy talking about this team not doing the little things to win. The way they're losing, that's the thing kill me. You know, I, I think they put themselves in a very bad situation with the big arrows, with the run pitch. They're not hitting at all. Uh, by the way, yes, we have a few guys hurt. Yes, we do. Pantera, now Jimenez. But, but the team we play against, if you put this lineup, I compare with the team we play against in those eight games losing streak, I think I believe we can still compete with the lineup we have. We're just not hitting. We're not hitting. We don't do a little thing. It seems like everybody else is anxious. Uh, everybody's, uh, I don't want to say panicking, but try to overdo what they're supposed to do. When the ball don't bounce your way, you got to try to survive. It's been pretty ugly. It has been pretty ugly. And last night was a really good example of that. You had you had bad at bats, you had bad defense, and you had a pitching staff that walked everybody. And what was weird is that I didn't think that Dallas was terrible yesterday. And in watching the way the game played out, like when you look at the box score, it's like, uh, you know, another game where you don't get anywhere near a, a quality start from Dallas Keuchel. He does nibble, and he has to nibble. I'll say this about the way that the team is comprised. You heard me on these airways before the season started talking about four positions that the White Sox needed to shore up. And I think for the most part, they took care of it. It was right field, second base, and a backup catcher. Now, granted, you got right field and A.J. Pollock, and that's a player who who does get hurt, who's only played half of the possible games that he could play as a major leaguer. I still like that move for Craig Kimbrell. The Harrison thing is fine. Like, it's just a fine move, and I think it's a really good move that they got Reese McGuire. The other position that I used to talk about was pitching. That the White Sox didn't have enough. And the White Sox didn't have enough before Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito got hurt. They didn't have enough starting pitching then. They've been lucky. Michael Kopech has been as good as people hoped. Dylan Cease, really good, even though his last start, he looked like he didn't have his best stuff. Hopefully, he's not going through the dead arm period that Stoney kind of predicted for guys. Their, their fourth or fifth time that they take the ball because of the shortened spring training. But they were a little light pitching before the season started. And now you end up where you're counting on Dallas Keuchel. You're counting on him. And that's a really bad space to be. Speaking of pitching, Ozzie talked with Mully and Haw about Liam Hendricks because the, the word in White Sox Twitter, the word on the street, is that the reason that, that Liam is struggling is because he's tipping pitches. Here's what Ozzie had to say about that. Liam Hendricks, it's possible he's now standing there. I think he's tipping his pitch. I think he's tipping his pitch. And uh, I look at the videos, a couple of videos, a couple of days ago, and they don't see the opposite thing, or the or White Sox don't see how he's tipping his pitch. Wow, I will send the video to anyone that want to see it. 
But I think it's a breaking ball when you go chop, they don't try to chase him that much because they can see he's coming. And and as fast ball, you got to be around the plate, throw the ball better. Unfortunately, he got hurt. And there's one guy I worry about, is this guy going down? Who's going to be the closer? I don't think they have the guy like, okay, you are the closer. I don't think so because I know I know how any conference anyway never had the role and never go through that. And that's one guy we have to protect very well because this is, this is one of the biggest and the more important guy than the pitcher staff. Here's the thing about Liam Hendricks, though. You got to have a lead to get to him. And the White Sox have struggled. Today it'll be Grinky versus Cease. And it should be a really good pitching matchup. Can the White Sox scratch some runs? You heard Ozzy saying it looks like guys are pressing. That they're they're trying and they're pressing. I don't know how the, the pressure gets released until guys start hitting. But they've got to make sure that some of the other stuff gets buttoned up. And I don't know how you do that during a season. You're just trusting that guys are going to get better and they're going to do a better job of picking up the ball. I'm going to talk with Russ Dorsey about this. He covers baseball for Bally's and Stadium. And I'm going to talk with him about the White Sox before they first pitch their game. This is the longest losing streak they've had since 2018. An eight-game losing streak. If they lose today, it will go beyond the losing streak in 2018. We will discuss next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 